0: Welcome, everyone, to the Zojo Talk podcast. I am Paul Lefevre, the Zojo Developer Evangelist, and I have with me today a very special guest, a little different than past Zojo Talk guests. I have here Susan Fenema, and Susan is the, as she likes to say, chaos eradicating officer of her company, Beyond the Chaos, and she's a consultancy that helps small business owners control their lives through better process, organization, And structure of their business and projects. And this is great because Susan is not a Zojo developer, unlike pretty much everyone I've ever had on this podcast, right, Susan?
1: (laughs) That's right. I am absolutely not a developer. I'm proud to be a uh, non-technical project manager and a non-certified project manager. And there's some some good reasons for that we can maybe get into later. But thank you so much for having me, Paul. I'm, I'm really excited to be here today.
0: All right. Well, this is great. I, I think this will be pretty cool because we're actually going to talk about some stuff that Zojo developers probably will be able to take advantage of to become better developers. And maybe if they have a company, run their company a little more efficiently as well. So,
1: Yes, sir. That's the goal for sure.
0: Absolutely. So, well, let's dive right in and talk about some of the other stuff. I was, you know, I've reviewed your blog and talked to you a bit before in preparation for this. And one of the things that I I really like that you had written about and were talking about is a lot of tools, essentially online tools that you use or recommend for people to take advantage of. Uh, What what would be some of those that you might want to start uh, bringing up?
1: Sure. Um, I actually, uh, I, when I started my business, I wanted to make sure that I could do everything in the cloud and virtually, uh, the company I have worked for previously was a virtual company. I am paperless. I have no paper on my desk. Um, so I wanted to make sure that everything stayed out there. You know, also, Hey, if I go work somewhere else, my whole work just goes with me, right? I just take the computer and I'm there. So uh, there are a few things that I started off with to track my uh, clients and leads. Um, I use Highrise for that. It's a, a CRM. Um, it was originally owned by 37signals, and uh, when they chose to focus only on Basecamp, um it spun off with another group. It's, it's a Basecamp's the parent, but it's another group. So you still get that great customer service at 37C. Right, yeah. um, and I also opened, you know, Basecamp was one of my very first things to jump on to help manage um, uh, to do lists, uh, you know, make sure that I had client work managed and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with you about. Both of those, which I've used in the past, particularly HighRise, I, I liked a lot. When I first started consulting, I mean, one of the things I did is before I actually decided I was going to go do consulting, I took years of contacts I had accrued doing other things, and I just kept pumping them into HighRise, pumping them into HighRise. And then when I finally said, all right, now I would need to start seeing if I can actually do this consulting thing, I just pushed out emails to all the contacts I had accrued over time. And then I'd get replies or not or whatever, and I could track all this stuff in HighRise to – See if people. Oh, yeah, this person might be interested in something, or I need to follow up with them, and it it proved to be invaluable for keeping track of that. Rather than, as as you know, people say, I think I've even heard you say when we were talking earlier, using email as your your tracking system.
1: Email is not a project management tool. It, it, it is a great means of communication. And that's part of the beauty of HiRise and Basecamp is it lets you use email in tandem with the solution. So, you know, it's all going into the uh, correct person or the correct project or the correct to do as you're, as you're having an email conversation. But that history then is where it's supposed to be and where you can find it. So, yes, email is not a project management tool. I will shout that from the... We'll, we'll hear
0: that repeatedly throughout this podcast, <laughs> I'm sure, because it's uh, email is always there for everybody, so people tend to rely on it for probably a lot more than they should.
1: Yes, and, it's a uh, great way to get things lost and confused and unassigned to people with no deadline. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. So I found HiRISE personally very useful for, you know, essentially, you know, generating the leads, tracking the leads to get the project started. And I, I this was many years ago. I, I don't specifically use it anymore because I don't do mm-hmm. significant consulting any longer, but it, it was useful to track these things. Cause I mean, sometimes it would take months before. Yeah. A project actually started after initiating contact with someone and, it was always good just to have that tracked. And I don't remember if this one had it or because I used a few different tools over the years, but some of them would have graphs and things to help you track the ROI on a contact and stuff like that.
1: This so. one this one doesn't have that, at least not that I use. They, You know, they're doing so much development on it. It might be something new that they've just added. Um, but it does let you track, you know, a lead or a case separately from the person. So if you're opening and working on something specific, you can track that. I mean, it has tasks that you can assign to the individual. So to remind yourself to follow up with them um, and, you know, to make sure that you are following up. That is a really important part of the sales process is not letting the lead go. Make sure you get the no, right? Even if right. you're not getting the yes, make sure you're getting an answer. Um, and the other beauty is that, you know, if they call you back in two years, you know what happened. You know if they right. well, that's run you huge. along and then let you go or you know, you 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 know you can see that that uh, chain of communication which is very valuable at that point.
0: Yeah, and it, it does look great when you can bring that up and talk to that immediately and you're not like, Oh, I don't remember what we discussed or where did we leave that. I mean you have it right there at your fingertips. And that and what you mentioned something too, you know, make sure you get the no. I, I've seen this mentioned yeah. by other people is you know, objections uh, I think what was the phrasing I heard was objections are a sign of interest. Uh, they're they're be, not, yes. they're not the no necessarily. So you want it, you want to take that information and say, okay, well, maybe they're objecting to this, that, well, maybe I need to reframe how I'm presenting this, or maybe I can answer their objection more directly or something.
1: So, and right. And objection is not a no. It gives you an opportunity to provide and sell your value better. Um, and it also tells you that they're actually thinking about it. Right. They, they haven't they haven't said, oh, no, absolutely not. It's just this. OK, well, maybe you can address that.
0: Right. right.
1: So, but but having a whole bunch of stuff hanging out there and not knowing a resolution, it, it is another form of clutter that will fill your head and and, you know, distract you. You know, a, a month later, you'll come back and say, whatever happened with that? you know, so getting that stuff out. And also a good thing is making sure you're following up so that you could also get the yes.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes you might have to ask for that you know, or just send them the proposal and, and, you know, it might come back signed for all, you know, it, uh, sometimes you just got to do that. All right. So that that's high rise, which, uh, Yes, exactly. and and you know, and some of these tools. I mean, the specific tools that we're mentioning here, you know, it's not necessarily oh, well, you got to use one like this. I mean, the, the general concept of a tool. You know, if you have another one you prefer or something, might be perfectly reasonable. And there are plenty of CRM type tools that are out there. If you try high-rise and you're like, oh, I hate this thing, but uh, the overall concept is what can probably it's, be right. Useful.
1: It's important to use the tool, and it, you know, find what works best for you. But that. You know, Paul, you're absolutely right. Make sure that, that that you're using something. Not email. Did I mention that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're gonna end up with a show title that's a show title that's around email. I can feel it. Uh, so related to Basecamp, so, and at, at one point they were related. Oh sorry. Basecamp, the other product you had mentioned, was related to high rise. Uh, they both were the same company at one point. I think they were when I used them, right. actually, as they were the same company, but they're no longer. And Basecamp is by 37Signals. And that's more of a project uh, tracking management type thing?
1: Yes, it is a project management tool for sure. Um, what I love about and it's not for everyone, um, but it it can be uh, structured to be used for most people, and it is great for software development. Um, As long as you don't want Gantt charts and things automatically rescheduling for you, which is a very much higher end form of project management, if you're just trying to track what got done and who's assigned to it and make it easy for your client to interact with you in it, um, it is an absolute great tool. Uh, Some people uh, don't spend enough time putting structure around it initially, um, which can actually cause it to become a place where things go to die. (laughs) So you do want to make sure, you know, you're putting a due date on things and assigning it to people so that it can come up in some easy to to look at reports. But it is a tool that I absolutely recommend.
0: Yeah. And again, I did use uh, Basecamp. Back in the day as well, I, d- I didn't end up liking that one a lot, so I didn't stick with it. I used it for a couple projects, and then I ended up moving on to something, some other open source tool, Redmine or something like that, that was a little more geeky for my tracking, because I, th- I think I found that my clients didn't really care to interface with it as much, and I was ended up using it more for my purposes, so I picked something I was more comfortable with, but...
1: And you know Basecamp has three versions and and if it was a while back you were probably using the classic version that's not my favorite either. Yeah, I'm
0: sure um, I was. It was this was almost 10 years ago I would say.
1: Basecamp 2 has a lot more functionality um than the classic. Uh I actually also when I was in at an advertising agency when I worked at an advertising agency we evaluated using Basecamp and it, it just didn't do enough at that point. But Basecamp 2 rectified a lot of those concerns and and made the communications a lot better. Basecamp 3 is a better option if you're not trying to communicate with a client through the software. If you don't care that much or they don't care that much about being involved in it. But Basecamp 2 is a great uh, communication tool for both parties.
0: Ah, okay. That's good to know. All right. So what would be another tool that you found useful? All right.
1: So I have a few, this is a, a handful of uh, easy uh, uh, tools that you can use that just make things go better. Um, one is called mail butler and I'll, I'll be clear right off the bat. I'm a Mac person. Um, I use Mac mail and mail butler plugs right into that and my biggest favorite part about that is that you can schedule an email to go out later. Now, there are other tools that would let you do this in, in other, um, uh, other softwares, but Mac Mail never had anything like that. So, you know, if you're working in the middle of the night, which none of us should be, but often we do, isn't it awesome? You're going to catch up, right? You're going to send off all these emails in the middle of the night and then your client starts responding back. Right. And now you're stuck in the middle of the night having an email conversation with your client, which you didn't intend. This actually lets you schedule and send them out the next morning so that they can go out during a regular uh, business time. And that also sets a better expectation with your client that you're not going to be available in the middle of the night. Which is important to set your boundaries. So, uh, you know, I use it too to schedule reminders before a scheduled call and to send it out. I usually send them out about twenty-four hours in advance, but I just set them up on a Friday for the you know whole rest of the week with all of them already scheduled, so I don't have to think about it more than once. And also with that, it makes sure that somebody's. Uh, actually going to be there when you've blocked time for a meeting, as opposed to showing up and no one's there.
0: Right. Hey,
1: it helps. It Sometimes it'll still happen, but it helps.
0: Yeah, well, and that can be good, too, because if you if the email shows up during the workday, probably when they're at their desk or something, they may actually see it and read it, versus if it showed up overnight with a queue of a bunch of others and they show up in the morning, they may not give it as much attention when they're going through you know, their 50 unread emails or something.
1: That's also true. It comes in with all the spam, right? The Nigerian prince is going to give <laughs> you $10 million. Um, another easy plug-in is it works with Google Chrome, and it's called Grammarly. And Grammarly uh, tests and checks all of your grammar that you type into any window in a browser, which really helps. You'd be surprised how many times you think you have it right, and it will uh, alert you immediately. Um, So that I highly recommend. Most of these are free, by the way. Uh-huh.
0: Grammarly, I, I might need to be grabbing myself that one. Uh, it's one of the things, because you know, I, I write a lot of documentation for Zojo, pretty much all of it. And one thing that's really hard to do is to edit or your own stuff after you've yes. written it. And so I, I've I had customers that will, you know, I've written this, you know, nice tutorial, I think. And a customer will say, hey, you got to... Double word. Well, that's the worst. The double word. You write the the. And so you get you get the the, and you know here in the second paragraph. It was a
1: great. It was a great band in the
0: eighties, though. But <laughs> so, but I'll open up the page. You know, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna fix this right away. I don't want any ty- typos in my document. I would read the paragraph six times. I don't see the the. the. And I'm like, no, then it's fine. And the, the, the best way I found is to actually read it out loud. You know, you you sound like an idiot to yourself, but then you're like the the oh. Uh, But when you, your eyes just skip right over it. So having something that can catch this, uh, I'm definitely going to put this on my list to install.
1: It helps a lot. It's still, you know, it's still not a person. So, you know, when you want to type the word inner tubes as a joke, it's going to find it as it doesn't know it's a joke. It knows it's not a word. So, (laughs) you know, you have to still, you still get to use your judgment, but uh, it, it at least will call most of it out for you. Um, the other one, the other little tool that I love is Calendly and this lets you set up meetings. It lets people see your calendar and when you're available and for them to choose a time to meet with you. So they can't see what you're doing, right? They don't know that, you know, you got a doctor's appointment or something like that or taking the kids to the, uh, park, but they know when you're available, And this tool lets you even set up windows so you can say, I only want people to schedule with me between 10 and 3 every day or something like that. Um, You get one for free, so you can set up one link for free. um, But you can, if if you subscribe to it, man, it'll let you set up all sorts of different windows for all sorts of different activities. So... It's been a great tool to make setting up meetings a lot more convenient as opposed to the 25 emails back and forth trying to find a free time. Yeah, everyone's
0: done that. I mean, that was one thing, uh, you know, that was nice. You know, when I worked in offices, you'd have something like Outlook or something that would make it a little easier to see everyone's calendar and you could figure out where to shoehorn a meeting in if you had to have one. But when you're working with various people that don't have something like that you can share, yeah, the emails back and forth quickly gets out of hand.
1: Yeah. And before you know it, it's been three weeks and you don't even have a meeting set up, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are, um, the other one that I find invaluable is Hello Sign. Um, Adobe Sign also has a very good functionality and is a good alternative. Uh, but both of these, as well as DocuSign, that's another option. I think that that one is a little bit more complicated, but Making sure that you're getting signatures on your proposals um, is, uh, it's important for your records. It helps you with your business insurance, uh, that you have some documentation of what you've agreed to do for your, your clients. And this lets you do it easily. So you're not emailing a client a PDF. They have to print it out. They have to scan it in. It has to come back to you, right? All of that puts a load on your client to do some work in order to pay you. I'm very, very much of the mind of what can we do to limit their work so they can pay me. Um, right, right. and, and being able to sign it digitally, um, helps it also then holds on to all of the past, uh, signatures. So you actually have a cloud record of all of your proposals that have been signed. Uh, you can also set up, uh, uh templates to do customer agreements, NDAs, if there are other things that are very consistent where you're just dropping in a custom name, you can do those through there as well. So it can uh, alleviate a lot of the extra obstacles that can get in your way of getting that paperwork accomplished. The other thing that works in conjunction with that is QuickBooks Online. Um, I know a lot of people did not like QuickBooks originally. I looked at it back in 2000. I think the QuickBooks 2010 version, I'm like, I can't figure out how to use this. And I'm, I'm not technical, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a techno geek, I guess. Right, right, right. I like all the technology. Um, so I'm like, this is not user-friendly, but QuickBooks online is much more user-friendly. FreshBooks is also an alternative to that, but it lets you then send digital invoices to your clients which is also important, it, it, you can set up recurring ones so that they go out, you know, the 15th of every month or, you know, however you have selected to bill. So those are uh, great digital options as opposed to finding it, you know, typing it out and making a PDF of it and all that kind of stuff. And it keeps it where it goes, which is in your accounting software. Yeah,
0: having a, a way to do that, I always found to be very important. Having a nice, especially getting a nice invoice off to the client. You know, because when I worked at companies where we would have some consultants in, they would send an invoice, in, and it looked like they typed it up in Word, and it had like you know one line item that said worked and it had a dollar amount <laughs> next to it. And, you know, the person paying that isn't super comfortable with that sort of thing. It's just, <laughs> It doesn't, you know, it just, it doesn't feel good. But when you send a nice thing that has things almost like itemized to the tasks they ask you to do, and they know how much each one costs, it, that just, they're just happier when they get that. They pay things quicker when they're happier. And, <laughs> and it gives you a better yeah. thing to reference later. When you're going back, you can look and say, oh yeah, I did this sort of thing for someone else, and it took me this much time. And
1: Absolutely. And, you know, here's the other thing is that with a QuickBooks Online, you can actually get that pay now button to show up in the email itself. So through ACH or credit cards, uh, you have the option to do either or you have to set it up. But once you get it set it up, you just click the little check mark and then your client can also pay you right now. They don't have to write a check. They don't have to mail it. You don't have to wait for the mail. If you're an independent, uh, you know, consultant like I am, you don't then have to drive to your post office box to get the check. <laughs> you know, it's just there. It's, and it goes straight into your accounts in QuickBooks too. So um, it's, a great, it's a great tool. I've, I've enjoyed using it.
0: Yes, frictionless payments are awesome, especially when you're doing your own consulting and you're relying on them.
1: (laughs) Making it easy for your your client to pay you. I'm all about it. (laughs) Um, There are a couple of others that I've liked as far as communication goes. Um, Slack and Google Hangouts. And and I use these sparingly in, in certain situations. If you're in a big company, I don't think that these work that great. Um, but if you're trying to, say, set up a a coaching group where you want to have five people that are sharing information um, privately and not with others, you can set up a Slack channel and get them all in there and they can help each other and you can help them and you can see what's going on. So Slack is great for that. And, of course, Google Hangouts uh, is a great – I mean, it's basically chat for Google. If you're on a Mac, you can actually bring that into your iMessages and be able to see all of that on your screen with your texts all in one place. Not Slack, but Google Hangouts. It it's, uh, makes some of those communications go a lot quicker and smoother and only you know—on de- on a device that's centralized like your computer as opposed to having to go back to your phone. Right, right. Um, Dropbox to Google Drive, Hightail—all of those are store document storage uh, options, and they can help you uh, structure. I I love Dropbox. I prefer that over Google Drive, but Google Drive comes with a lot more free space, so <laughs> I use that sparingly for my very big. Uh, files and also it's a little easier to share if you're collaborating on a document with somebody. Um, yeah, and I
0: I, I uh, I've used another one that's good is uh Microsoft's OneDrive. Oh uh,
1: yeah. I have one heard that lot, one a lot.
0: And that one has a fair amount it's a good balance between what they give you for free space. It's more than Dropbox. It might be equivalent to Google and I found it's nicely integrated on the Mac side anyway.
1: The um, Hytale is another one um, for you developers dealing with very large files that also need to be securely sent. Um, Hightail can uh, allow you to do that. Um, and it also, if you have a website where you accept files, um, you know, where if you're in a, a job where you're accepting files a lot, Hightail allows you to actually personalize a link that you can put on your website so they can just link in from your website, which is great. I got two more little ones here. (laughs) Actually, one is probably the most important. I'm going to save that one to last. Um, Last pass, you know, all those passwords that you always try to keep up with and you can't remember, or even more so, I want to share this password with my team, but I don't want them to know all my others. Last pass will let you set that up. So you can share it with individual people. You It will remember it. You have to have a password to get into it. Right. Uh, but it houses all of that, and it'll you can also get a version and get it on your phone as well. So I highly recommend that. And then here's the one that uh, I should have started with, I guess. But we saved it to, to the end. Crash plan. This is a uh, off-site backup. It's uh, all cloud-based. Um You can schedule it however often you you need it. It can even help um, when you're developing software to be able to go back a version when you mess something up (laughs) if you schedule it more often. Um, But it, it makes sure that, you know, hey, if the house burns down, tomorrow I go to Apple and I get a new computer and I can get right back to where I was before I started.
0: Yeah, d- definitely.
1: recovery is important. <laughs>
0: disaster recovery is important. And yeah, CrashPlan is awesome. That's also the one I use. I've been using that for years. And uh, I actually have a family plan. So all the computers here at the house are, are connected up to CrashPlan and uploading their data all the time. That first upload is kind of a pain, you know, unless yeah. you've got uh, symmetric uh, upload download speeds. You know, in my case, it took weeks for all my you know gigabytes of data to get uploaded. But once it does that first one, the, the smaller incremental ones are quick, quick, quick and and,
1: if you, and more important than anything, if you don't have an offsite cloud backup, you need one get one. That's right a and problem. that's
0: we, we like to stress that with this the you know developers in particular, Zojo developers specifically that are listening to this, but you you want to make sure you have that and it's off you don't want to have just one, so I don't rely on just crash plan myself. I also have an off site source code repository, something like mm. git or subversion. Which is a better way to go back in versions with source code than relying on something like crash plan, but crash plan can be a, a faster way sometimes to pull something that's older that you know have you deleted or something like that oh, or also, something
1: that was six months ago instead of you know last month that maybe your other backup overwrote or something right, like that. or maybe
0: something you haven't yet put in source control for some bad reason yep. that you know yeah. shit on you but <laughs> but nonetheless, and then having local backups as well is useful. It, You know, because, you you know, everyone's like, oh, my house isn't going to burn down. Maybe not. But other things happen. Uh, Spilling a glass of water on your laptop and then frying the hard drive, that can easily happen. And it's not a catastrophic thing for your living environment, but it is for the poor computer. So,
1: (laughs) well, I have a cat that likes to regularly walk across my keyboard, too. So sometimes uh, he does that. By way of my water glass and it makes me very nervous. So that- yeah,
0: my, my water cup is kept on the windowsill next to my desk and it has a lid on it because my cat has jumped on the windowsill and knocked the water hard enough to send it to my desk and you know, <laughs> cats, they don't care.
1: They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not that important to them. <laughs>
0: All right, so this is a great list of tools. One thing that you didn't mention that I want to mention because we're actually using it for this podcast is uh, you did mention Google Hangouts for confer- conferencing and stuff like that. And other tools that are useful and you commonly hear people use are Skype. And mm-hmm. Zoom is a kind of yes. a newcomer to this. And uh, we're actually using Zoom to record this podcast. I've used it to record every podcast, actually. And I also use it for the Zojo webinars. And Zoom is really an awesome tool. It's great for video chats and it's free for one-on-one video chats. There's no real time limit on the the chat, Uh, but you can also do group chats as well. And I think that's where it really shines because a lot of the other tools tend to start to bog down a bit when you get multiple people on the call, but zoom handles it the best out of them in my tests. Anyway,
1: I agree. And the uh, interface is a lot cleaner, easier to use than probably the bigger competitor, which is go to meeting. Um, and, and it doesn't download 15 different versions of GoToMeeting in your applications drive, which always, you know, as somebody who likes to be organized, I don't like all that.
0: <laughs> you know, I, stopped, I used to use GoToMeeting for the webinars. I stopped using that a couple of years ago. And oh gosh, I've forgotten about that. But yeah, every time you would start it up, there'd be an update and it would download it and it would create a new folder. And it would keep the old ones. So you'd, uh, you'd, right. you wouldn't notice right away because you don't often scan your application folder. And then you go in there and there's like 12 versions of GoToMeeting. Like, why? Why? It doesn't ever run the older <laughs> ones.
1: I don't miss that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that was a strange, strange tool.
1: And Skype is a good one too, especially if you're working with anybody overseas. Um, you know, to to be able to bypass the... The cost of any sort of international calls. Um, Skype is great. And it will also let you share uh, do some basic screen sharing and that kind of thing, like Zoom does.
0: Yeah, and Skype is incredibly popular in Europe, it seems, because anytime I do have to talk to someone out there, Skype is the de facto first choice. And I don't try anything else really unless that tends to bog down and then we'll give something else a try.
1: As a Mac user, you know, it's really hard to embrace a Microsoft product like that, but it, it it has some good benefits. Oh, it's getting
0: easier now. Microsoft's putting out some decent stuff, so now it's not <laughs> as bad to try it. I, uh, I, like I said, I mentioned OneDrive earlier. I really like that. And it, I, it does raise eyebrows when I, people look like, you're using Microsoft's OneDrive? Like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I use whatever tool works. I don't care who makes it.
1: But that's also true. <laughs>
0: it's like, and that's like all the Zojo people too. They're like, you know, hey, we want to use Zojo because the darn thing works. Let's just build our stuff. We're not, we don't care that, uh, you know, uh, it's not from Microsoft necessarily. It, it's fast. Let's just get our stuff done.
1: That's true. That's true. Okay. You've convinced me. <laughs>
0: All right. So lots of good tools there. I'll include that. We're going to have long show notes for this podcast. Yeah, Lots of
1: links, <laughs> lots
0: of links to things. And, uh, but I'll have links to everything we've talked about. There'll be a link in the show notes. So you don't have to uh, remember what we said and then find it with a Google search or anything like that. We, I like to make it easy for my listeners. So there'll just be a link there and you click it and it'll take you to the web page and you can try it out. So moving on, um, One thing I want to talk to you about, Susan, is uh, somewhat a little bit related to high-rise, but it's kind of fundamental if you're running your own business, consulting business or anything really, is the sales process. How do you get people to pay you? (laughs) (laughs) How do you find people that want to pay you? (laughs)
1: Well, obviously, finding leads and marketing is a whole other show, and I am not the expert on that. I'm working on it, like all of us, struggling along. But I, I think that it is so important to have a process that you can follow consistently when you start to bring somebody new in, so that you don't leave out steps, you don't forget things, um, and that there is uh, a, a follow up process. That somebody's not uh, lost in the shuffle, so to speak, um, and high rise can very much help you with that. And there are other tools out there that can do the same thing, um, but you know, you want first to have the uh, the communication with the client, whether that's an outgoing uh, cold call or they're incoming to you, um, and it could be a call, it could be an email. I totally believe that you should communicate with the client the way they want to be communicated with. So if they're emailing to you, if they're filling out a form on your website, email them back. If they've called you, call them back. That's their preferred method. You know, you can always, if you don't get them when you call them back, you can say, I'm going to send you an email or you can send me one and see if that can prevent, you know, long periods of phone tag. But, uh, you know, being able to to communicate with them the way they want to be communicated with is an important part of the sales process. That
0: makes sense. That's good advice.
1: Um, You know, the very first thing you want to do then is try to set up a convenient time for you and they to have a conversation about what they need, how you can help. You want to get down to the root, and and I think we might talk about this a little bit later, the value you can provide to them. Um, And make sure that they are your customer, that there are not any red flags there, that, you know, they're changing because they've worked with four other Zojo developers and nobody can get them what they want. Uh, red flag, that's probably them. <laughs> so <laughs> Right.
0: I think that goes back to one of my favorite sayings, which is, you know, if you if you meet a jerk in the morning, you met a jerk. If you meet jerks all day long, you're probably the jerk.
1: <laughs> it's you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, make sure you like the person. You're going to have to work with this person and form a relationship over time. If if you can't stand them or they have no sense of humor and you want to laugh, having a sense of humor is a big deal to me, um, then that might not be the best match. Even if you feel like you could serve them, especially if you're busy, that might be a better match for a different person. So I always recommend also having some uh, referrals, uh, places you can send people, you know, uh, Hey, listen. I'm I'm really booked up right now, but I'm going to recommend you call this person. They can probably help you faster. Uh, you can even work out deals with some of those people for the referrals if you want. You know, get
0: yeah, yeah. That and that works great. I mean, I've gotten plenty of work from referrals from other people from exact same thing. They were too busy and they said, hey, you know, you might want to check uh, contact Paul see if he's available. Yeah, that can work.
1: Yeah. Um, and by the way, you could have used Calendly to set up that first meeting with them. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, after you've talked with them, you know, generally, um, as a developer, you probably need some sort of technical information from them, something to look at and see, okay, even if they were using Excel spreadsheets before, what they Expected out of them, um, so that's normally a next step is get that information from them to examine, look at, make sure that uh, you're not getting into an existing software that is over your head or is so horribly developed that you can't work with it. Um, so that that is usually that next step is a little bit more uh, in-depth uh, evaluation. Then after that, you should be ready to write a proposal to your your client and make sure that that is scoped well. Make sure the details are in there so that you don't have a lot of argument back and forth. If you're clear up front what they are getting for the price, then everybody is in agreement and you can keep going back to that document. It doesn't have to be a technical specification doesn't have to be that detailed, but it needs to say, you know, you'll, you'll be able to send an invoice to clients, you know, something like that. Right. So the the, the scope is clear. Price is clear. I recommend options, um, you know, giving your, your client three choices of how to work with you instead of whether or not they are going to work with you.
0: Yeah. I always did. That is the multiple option technique. You know, the first option would probably, you know, cover maybe exactly what they specifically listed and then the other more expensive ones would add things that they might want once they've agreed they want to work with you and they're like, oh yeah, that would be a good add-on or something. And you often find out that they just signed the contract for more than uh, you were even talking about. So.
1: Well, and you you can show the value of your other options when you do that um, right. by setting by setting a, a bar. So if You know, I, I usually do three different, uh, options. You know, one is the, the DIY level. I will set you up quickly so that you can manage your own projects that you're going to have to figure out a whole bunch of other stuff, but I can kind of point you down the right path. Okay. That's one. Then there is, you know, the, Hey, we'll get you kickstarted. You know, I'll actually set it up for you and then you can use it. And then, you know, You get the full Susan on your big package. You get all of it. You know, I'll actually coach you through it. We'll spend time with your team, helping them, you know, learn it, you know, and we'll we'll even we can do ongoing consulting after that. But when you create those three options, you show the value that they can get from the others. Sometimes if all they thought was, oh, I just wanted ideas and I'll take it and run with it. And they're like, oh, wait a minute it'll just be done for me for this much.
0: Right. You know, right.
1: It, it, it can, it can, uh, and, and on those higher, uh, options, you want to be adding things that are not incredibly time intensive for you, but bring lots of value to your client. So, you know, a huge, if I'm doing it over and over again, getting somebody set up on something, that is not a huge time-consuming thing for me, but it is a huge value to that customer because they don't have to do it. So I can add a, a higher dollar amount on that, you know, than than uh, on something that they might not find as valuable.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That- definitely makes sense. It, it makes sense when you think about it that way. Uh, getting down in the nitty gritty details sometimes is where I get a little lost in the in the trees. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. One thing I want to
0: point out for uh, Zojo developers is if you are looking for Zojo work and if you're not aware, if you do have the Zojo Pro license level, that gives you access to a special section of Zojo Forms where uh, we post consulting leads. Because we have people that contact us directly looking for developers to create apps for them, do projects for them or whatnot. And we don't do that stuff, but we pass those leads directly on to people that have the Zojo Pro license. So that can be a great first step because you see people there that already kind of have a rough idea what they want. You know, the quality of leads varies from some people saying, I need to build this, and they don't provide a lot of details, and some other people have a lot of details. But like anything else, like Susan just said, the idea isn't to just reply to that email and say, okay, I'll build this for you. It's to, you know, you now have someone you can talk with to see if that's a good fit, if you're able to build what you want. So it kind of gives you some built-in, you know, things to add to your CRM.
1: (laughs) Yes, and custom software development, I mean, it is challenging. It's challenging to the, the client. It, it's time consuming. It's, it, it is a process and almost a birthing process, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. You're going to have to work closely with the person. You're going to have to get to know each other. You're going to be in each other's business, you know? So making sure that it's somebody that you actually want to work with rather than, oh, yeah, I can do this code is important. So we've gotten to the point where we've we've written a proposal. And I'm going to tell you, don't just email that out. Set up a time to go through the proposal. And I'm not talking about a formal presentation. I'm talking about a conversation with your new partner client to make sure you're on the same page of what they're getting for the options that you've presented. So, hey, did I leave anything out? You know, you you might even, after this conversation's over, modify your scope a little bit, modify your price a little bit if something was left out or was unclear, um, or, you know, they thought what you wrote meant something else, you know? So if you talk through those things with them and make sure it's clear, that's what I recommend before you send them a document. You're on the same page, and it shows that you've listened, to them and that you're trying to provide them what they need.
0: I like that. i never really did that sort of thing. I always would just email out a proposal, but I kind of like that idea because it does allow you to kind of, you get another opportunity to explain yourself really well. And, and it is pretty keen to show the client that you're listening to what their real problem is. And, and it's, sometimes it's even helpful if you're able to demonstrate to them that you heard what they said. And came back to them and explained or came up with a solution that's maybe even better than what they think they wanted. And uh, that that right there, if you're able to do that, then all of a sudden it's like instant yes, really. I mean, your
1: value in their eyes goes up. Yeah. And that the the other is that, okay, how many of us get documents that are long and tedious and you're like, I'm not going to read it. How much is it? Okay, sign it. Right, and now no no conversation. They haven't even read it. There's nothing that has put them on the same page with you. Probably, you know, you've just checked the yeah, I read the terms and conditions, right? Right. (laughs) Like we all do. We probably. I just had to do that. I just I just had to
0: do that this morning on on Apple's iTunes Connect page. They had an update for if you want to submit apps to their App Store, and I I went in there to update. I don't remember what I was doing. Updating a pricing on some old app I had up there that was wrong. And it wouldn't let me do it until I, you know, click through like three agreements and I start scrolling them, I'm thinking I'm going to read them. And they're like 30 pages. I'm like, they're you not know what? Them. I'm not reading. Them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and the other benefit of sh- walking through this proposal with your client as well is you're not going to make it 30 pages, you know, make it shorter, make it two or three pages. Um, and then, you know, talk them through it, make sure you're on the same page. After that document's finished, now you can use a tool like HelloSign or Adobe Sign and send that to them digitally to sign. Um, And then once they sign it, uh, you can engage them in whatever kind of billing practice that you've done and then open your project in Basecamp. To me, until the project's opened in Basecamp, you don't have the, the sale complete, Um, and until you have money, the sale's not complete, but I know that many people who bill by the hour get paid after the fact. So, uh, that is my value pricing philosophy. You should always get paid. (laughs)
0: Well, let's segue into that a little bit because you and I briefly talked about this, uh, before this podcast, but value pricing is a topic. If anyone's following consulting these days, you know, bloggers or people talking about it or articles or whatnot, it comes up a lot. And it'd probably be good for you to explain what it actually is and and why it's better than traditional kind of time-based pricing.
1: Sure. Um, value pricing is a method of pricing that it doesn't have anything to do with the inputs. It has to do with the outputs. So it's not about how much time it takes. It's not about whether or not, you know, your... your, your uh, uh, Expenses to fly somewhere on there. It's about what the client gets. So it's all about the value that you as a service professional are delivering to the client. So it's seeing it from their eyes. Um, Really, if you think about a cost plus, um, it it doesn't make any sense from a client perspective. You know, Shoot, they might pay you five times that much to get what you're offering them. And They also might say, uh, "Yeah, it's not worth it." You know that I don't, I don't care what it costs. I I needed that done um, for cheaper. Uh, so there are some things. Then that was kind of my point earlier of the value add you can place on things that are less of your time. Um, Time becomes irrelevant, and tracking your time is not required. So, if you want to stop doing timesheets, <laughs> this is also a great way uh, to get away from that. And the mindset of the timesheet uh, limits your ability to serve your client. When I'm paid in advance to do something, I feel very committed to that person because I already have their money. And I need to make sure that they're going to get the value they expected from that money. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. Maybe it takes me an hour. Maybe it takes me six weeks, but the value they're getting is, is what they were expecting out of it.
0: Right. Right. And so, and again, as I said earlier, those concepts make perfectly reasonable sense to me, (laughs) but the devil's in the details. And I've always found that with software consulting projects it becomes trickier at least you know when you're kind of winging things (laughs) to figure out how to value price a proposal as opposed to falling on the tried and true method of saying all right well you know i'm just going to track the hours i work on stuff this is my hourly rate and we're going to do some simple multiplication here and that's what you're going to pay me and but the, and I understand the big downside to that. One of the huge downside is as you get more experienced and efficient at things, it takes you less time to build stuff. So right. your only choice is, well, I either keep bumping up my rate or essentially my clients are getting a deal because <laughs> right. I'm more efficient now and that's not good for me necessarily. So I've, I personally, when I was doing this consulting and this would have been, you know, five years ago at this point. I never found a way that worked out well for me to just come up with a way to value price a proposal. It always seemed like I would do it too low and I would get burned.
1: Well, you know, that's, that, is a, that is a challenge. And when you first start, sometimes that might be the case. Um, you know, it is experience. It is an art. I worked actually for Kirk Bowman for several years, and there is a reason he calls his company the art of value. <laughs> Um, because the it is art, and sometimes it is. I think it just this much money to them. But if you know their ROI, ROI on what you're creating for them, if you know that by creating this software you're going to save this client um, and their company, uh, all these customer sales because of all of the sales that keep getting screwed up because of uh, wrong orders or something like that that's a huge number and so even if it takes you 5 hours to develop that it's worth it's it's worth thousands and thousands of dollars to the to the customer to have the problem solved so understanding what they're trying to solve and making sure that what you're creating delivers them an ROI on that investment is is incredibly value valuable to the client um and and it puts you more in their shoes of serving them as opposed to okay what am i going to do for the next hour you're looking then at the bigger picture of how that's going to help increase their value every single time they ask you to do something so the hourly method kind of puts you at odds with them with them right They can run you in circles and that's okay. You're just going to bill them by the hour as opposed to with a value price. You're not very interested in being run in circles. You want to stop and say, okay, hold on. I'm not doing any more of these circular email chains for the next week. We're going to actually have a conversation, figure this out right now. Um, You know, and what's your end result? And does it even make sense for you to get this? Are you, you know, we, we can stop. We can add this to our scope, which wasn't included, right? It wasn't in our original scope. You're asking me to do something different. Um, We can stop and we can write a change order for that. And you can spend more money on it. But are you going to get anything out of it? Or was it just today's, you know, harebrained idea? You know, (laughs) it helps you manage those things a lot. But the important part is having that clear scope up front. And that's the big important part with software development is making sure that scope is clear and making sure you're always going back to the scope while you're in, in the process.
0: Which also ties back to, you know, spending a fair amount of time understanding what the client's problem was in the first place. You're, you're not just a, you know, a grunt for hire that's banging out some stuff for them. You want to actually improve their business. And like you keep saying, provide value. To them in their business, and so you got to understand what they do in order to do that. You're not just, you know, yeah. Right.
1: Do you want to be a consultant that improves uh, the life of your client, or do you want to be a code monkey? You know, that's that's really the difference. And there's there's a place for both. Um, You get to decide what you want to do, but. uh if you want to actually provide that value to your client it is a lot easier to do if you're not constricted by the number of hours that that are involved in a project
0: i all that again makes really great sense i i, I if i were doing consulting again i definitely would try to figure out how i can set up proposals so that that would work better. And, but I think the hard part is also, you know, if you're starting new, you don't have a lot of this experience and stuff to, to work off of. So you're a little nervous about doing that necessarily, but you're like, well, if I go the hourly rate, it's safe. because uh, well,
1: you, know, uh, you can take some steps to get there. Okay. Right. Um, you know, the first step really is you want to do a fixed price. That's your first step step towards the value and and learning how to pull more value out of, how to, how to pull what the value is out of your client. Sometimes that takes a lot of experience and having the conversation. A fixed price is a form of a value price. Um, a value price takes it one step further and prices it based on the value you're delivering. But with your fixed price, if you want to base it on, okay, the last Three times I did a project like this, it ended up being this many hours. So I'll take that total number I build, add 10% and make that option one to the client. Now, remember, you offer them two more options, right? Higher stuff that's easier to do. <laughs> that's the important part. Um, more value to them, less effort to you. Um, that is a way to start, and then as you start to feel more comfortable in that, uh, you, you can grow and learn more about that value conversation. And I think
0: um, I'm hearing, too, that the other thing is to kind of start, you know, like you just said, start small. So even with the mm-hmm. software project, start small. Maybe you can button it up into different, you know, kind of thinking off the cuff here, maybe break it into different phases or something like that. So you can start with a smaller thing right at the beginning, and that shows your value. If you deliver that, you know, the way they want, and then you can do another one after and kind of maybe build on that success. I wonder if that could work.
1: Absolutely. That is very important. Don't bite off more than you can chew. You know, don't overpromise; you'll end up under delivering. All of those things are important to keep in mind when you're doing this. And especially as you start out, take a smaller chunk. You know, if they want a whole um, accounting system developed, you know, maybe start with hey, let's make sure that we can get the people we pay, the vendors into the software. We're going to set that interface up first. You now that's phase one. Um, we'll come back to the others and and it also helps you build that relationship with your your client over time. You know they're going to keep coming back to you and, and sometimes things change you know especially in, in software development, after that part gets done, there might be something else that came out of it that now needs to be added to phase 2 or modified for phase 2.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, and that happens a lot. Especially if they see a tangible thing they can interact with. You know, I want to rethink how I was wanted to go with this. I think something else might work or we don't need this other piece anymore. I need this completely different piece that I didn't think was as important. Yeah, that that, that it's always good to not have all that you know, right at the front and then changing throughout the project. That's, you know, ulcer material.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, there's also brilliant ideas that the the client can have when they start to dream about how things work. Right. So they get that first thing and they're like, wouldn't it be great if, you know, something they probably, they didn't ever think about before because that's not how they were doing it. So that gives you ways that you can, Add that and reset their priorities moving into phase two as opposed to, uh, you know, something that was originally set up. And if you want to give them a rough guess of, well, if phase two contains these things and phase three contains these things, it will be about this much money. You can because sometimes they need to be able to budget for that just remember that your client is always going to hear that number and remember that you said it was $10,000, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing that that'll be, you know, they will never forget that sort of thing, but other details, you know, I don't remember saying that, but stuff like that, never forgotten. So, so moving on from this, you say you've, you've succeeded, you've gotten your project and uh, you know, you got your, your money up front, which is awesome. So, you know, you're going to, All is good. So how do you productively work and deliver? We've talked about some tools they use, but what would you say are some other aspects?
1: So one thing is making sure that you're having regular meetings with your clients. Status meetings, making sure that uh, you're on the same page throughout the process. You know, uh, uh, initially up front as software developers, you're going to have to have a lot of them probably because you're going to have to dig into that discovery. Make sure that you're doing uh, what they want to do. By the way, discovery can be billed for It can be invoiced. It doesn't have to be free. (laughs) Um, So, you know, that is part of that. You might have to talk to different people, at their teams, you know, as you're collecting that information. After that, you need to be building a timeline in whatever project management software you've chosen. And it can be a milestone type, uh, Set up so that you know you're gonna even if it's just so that the client knows what's coming. You know we're gonna finish development on this day. You have to have a server set up on this day. Uh, we're gonna start testing on this day. Um, testing can also be built or put into this as uh, you know a limit, so they only have thirty days to test, and you'll fix the bugs. That is a way to do that with a value pricing method instead of by the hour. Uh, just as a future. Reference, if you're going to go that right route. (laughs) Um, The, uh, you know, and then talk about those milestones at each status meeting. Um, if you're doing a software like Basecamp where you can loop your client in, you know, make sure that they're getting copied on on the different things as you go through them, that you're asking them questions through that software so that you can uh, track that information, have it there for reference and be able to find it, you know, make, make sure that you have some way to track it. I don't know how to explain it any better because I'm a project manager. So that's what I do. Um, (laughs) I could actually work one-on-one with people to set something up like that, uh, easier than I could probably put forth a blanket plan, but in just make sure you have your milestones, make sure you have subsets of what's being done under those milestones, make sure things are assigned to people properly with dates and that you're checking things off as they go.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that is just simple, like productivity one oh is just to mm-hmm. always be making progress, you know, and, yeah. and if you have a way to track that progress, not only good for the client, but it's really good for you to know that yes. you're getting things done because you keep, you feel good about that. You don't start to dread the project you're working on like, Oh, you know, it's like back when you were in high school and you didn't start your term paper or something like that. You know, that's why the teachers are like, you know, you want to have your notes here, your outlines here. They were trying to drill into you the productivity method that doesn't sink into teenagers. But uh, <laughs> some of that is useful information. It, 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 little things, all of a sudden, you reach the end and you're like, oh, I did it. Even though I only had a bunch of little things I was checking off each way. And I really like the the, you know, meet with the client regularly. Thing. Uh, I Status
1: certainly... meetings are important, and it doesn't mean you have to do it in person. You know, we live in this virtual world. You can you can do it via screen share. You can do it via uh, Zoom, like we're doing right now. You can do it face to face. You can you can go there, but I would I would recommend that if your client wants you on their site, that they pay a premium price to have you there, because you're not as productive on their site as you are in your office where they're not looking over your shoulder right well and it takes
0: away from you maybe working on other client projects as well so
1: well you got to drive there and you got to get dressed nice and you got to do all those things that you don't have to do when you're working from home too so uh keep that in mind so i I would not recommend an in-person status meeting every week unless that's something that they're willing to pay extra for and some clients are
0: yeah that's a that's a really good point yeah I certainly was could have been accused of being lax on regular meetings with my clients and you you run into that probably a lot with the programmer types who generally don't love meetings, <laughs> so we'll yes. look for any reason to you, avoid them so
1: have have short meetings have them regularly scheduled, and then you won't have to have a two hour meeting hopefully <laughs> that's the goal um You know, the other is that uh, if you find that communication with your client is becoming contentious or that you're trying to avoid talking to them, it's probably because you're late or you're not communicating well to them or they don't know what's going on with all this money they've spent. So those are good. uh, Oh, goodness, what's going on over here? You know, when something like that, when you start to feel that way, you start to be nervous about it. That's a good sign that you need to stop and, and have a conversation and regroup. Make sure you're on top of things and make sure that they know what you're doing. A uh, project like or a, 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 a solution like Basecamp can help you across multiple projects because you can actually see what's assigned to you that's due across multiple projects and be able to group that all into one to do list for you. It'll make a natural to do list for you. Um, so that's another good reason to use a tool like that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And, and most consultants are often working on more than one thing at a time. So you want to be able to see what all those things are. One thing that I, uh, also found helpful related to the client communication thing was, you know, cause you, I would have occasional clients that would feel the need to just, you know, call me anytime <laughs> they, not necessarily anytime they wouldn't call like at 3am, but anytime during the day that, Oh, I got a question. And they would pick up the phone and give you a ring. And I, that to me is really bad for productivity. <laughs> it so, is but, very bad. But if you have this regular meeting thing already set up, that is far less likely to happen because oh well, I'm going to talk to Paul, you know, every Tuesday or whatever day. They like oh, I don't need to bother him now for this. I'll save these things up and talk and. And so I like that idea as well, because I always would try to train the clients to not call whenever. But if it didn't work too well, probably because I didn't have regular meetings for them to communicate with. Someone.
1: Right. So they don't know when there's a chance. Um, right. the, the other is that if you're using a tool like Basecamp, give them a place to actually enter those things as they come to mind. So they could actually enter a to-do and assign it to you. Um doesn't mean you have to do it if it's out of scope, by the way. <laughs> you can hold on that and talk to them about it at your next meeting and let them know it's not in scope. But at least you've captured that idea and you could put it on a wish list to do list in Basecamp to come back and address at a later date. So um, you know, you you don't want your client to not communicate with you. It is really important that they do, but give them methods that don't interfere with your ability to get their work done.
0: Right.
1: You know, so th- th- those, those two tips are, are good ways to do that. Um, you know, the other is that if you have that contentious, what did you do for these hours conversation, you know, the, if, if you're, if you're billing after the fact, which is hourly billing, um, you always have that, okay, I'm going to send this email or with the invoice, right. I'm going to send the invoice. I hope they pay it. Right. Yeah.
0: I suppose you always do have that little feeling. Are they going to complain? Are they going to say it took too long? I, I, you know, there's always that little nerve wracking thing. Yeah.
1: So uh, to, if you're doing hourly billing, Basecamp will help you because you can go back through day by day and you're easy. It's easy for you to be able to say, Oh, these are the things I did for these hours. Um, but if you're value pricing, you don't ever have to have that conversation.
0: Right? Yeah, you don't have to worry about it because <laughs> you know, right. it's already. You, presumably, you're both happy. They're happy right. with that with the value they're getting, thus they're happy with what they paid you, and you should be happy with what they paid you. So
1: that's, you are just then under an obligation to deliver the scope within a, the time frame you agreed
0: upon. Right. Right.
1: So, yeah.
0: Well, this has all been fabulous advice. Uh, uh, I. Maybe this will end up ranked as one of the top listened podcasts. I hope it does because uh, oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Is it, it uh, certainly a lot of good advice for people? And it's not the low level coding advice. This is the the soft skills that you know help you to effectively you know do the job that you want to do. And and you know, programmers will sometimes want to avoid this stuff. And yes. maybe if you're at a large company and you're just in the IT department, you're able to avoid some of this stuff. But if you're in a smaller company or you would want to work for yourself, or you're in a bigger company and you're thinking, you know what, I am sick of this. I want to start my own thing. You do have to learn how to do this stuff, uh, or, you know, find someone that's doing it for you, but that, that's not always cost effective either. So these are good things to think about and, and put in practice. So these are all fascinating, useful tips I Very excited. I got many on my notes here that I need to go try soon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is great. Well, I've enjoyed so much talking with you about this, and I hope that the audience finds a lot of value in these tips. If you need help setting anything up, you know, feel free. I think we're going to put my contact information in the show notes. Feel free to contact me, um, Susan at beyondthechaos.biz, and I am happy to help you get on the right track.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Susan.
1: Thank you. It's been great.
0: Have a great day, everyone.